0: I'm not preaching today because I was with my family this week and didn't have time to prep a message. So I brought in a good, good friend of ours, John Kelly, uh, from uh, Chicago. We met when I was up there in the training center preparing to plant the harvest. He was actually on staff at Harvest Chicago at that point in time at the cathedral campus where I was serving at and got to know him really well. He is a, a great brother in Christ and loves the Lord and can bring the word. And since then, he has planted his own church, but I'll let him tell you all about that when he comes. So can you please welcome Pastor John Kelly. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good morning, Harvest. That's good. You know, when I say good morning in my church, it takes like two times for me to say that for everybody to say, good morning, Pastor John. It's like, hey, we up. We all woke. You know, I know it's warm, but um, so good to be here in St. Louis on this hot weekend. And, uh, But it's uh, praise God. Thank you, uh, Pastor Michael, for having us here. Uh, It's been good knowing him and his family for a few years. We consider them family as well, and they're dear to us. And uh, so I just send you greetings from your cousins in Chi town. And, uh, you know, one thing I love about God's family, it doesn't matter what background you're from, we all are one family in Christ. Amen? You know, like it's amazing. You can clap. You can clap. Somebody clap back there. You can clap. And uh, the beautiful thing is one day we're all going to be in glory together. We won't be in Chicago or St. Louis. We'll see Jesus face to face, every tribe, nation, and tongue, every skin, color, background. We'll all be locked in arms with tears in our eyes, worshiping the one who deserves to be worshiped. Amen? Well, praise God. Well, I'm glad to be here uh, with you this morning. But enough about me. It's really about God's Word. That's why we're here this morning. And so if you have uh, your Bible... Uh, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. As you turn there, um, you know, I, I, I found that, and maybe you can identify with this as well, it really doesn't matter who you talk to, young, old, no matter what ethnic background or skin color or how much money they have in the bank, if they have a lot of money, if they're broke, it doesn't matter if they're old or young, if they're married or single, if they have kids or no kids, or if they live in St. Louis or Chicago, i found that no matter who I talk to personally, within five minutes of talking to people, especially when I haven't seen them in a while, um, they often say that they're tired and they need rest. It doesn't matter who you talk to. The the, the the person who stays home with kids all day is like, I can use a vacation right now. Someone need to come get these kids. And then you talk to a college student who doesn't have kids and they're like, I'm stressed out. I got all these exams. I have all these classes. I can't wait for a break. It doesn't matter who you talk to. We live in a culture and a society that cultivates burnout. Praise God that you got away to a camp to be refreshed and just kind of. Um, uh, get off the grid for a little bit, but we do live in a society that cultivates burnout. I was here on Friday and my wife said within uh, 20 minutes of us getting here at least 30 times, can you please put your phone down? Can you please put your phone down? Can you please put your phone down? Why does she tell me that? Because there's there's something wired into me and all of us that I get emails, I get text messages, and it doesn't matter if I'm in St. Louis or the Bahamas, it's hard to shut it off, right? I mean, it's the reason why you go to dinner and people are waiting on their food, and they're both sitting there like this. And you're like, well, aren't you here on a date? But they're both just browsing, and then the food comes, and they're like, you know, they take the picture, and they upload it to Instagram or Twitter or something, but there's something about it where it's hard to shut it off. It's hard to shut it off up here. Like, you literally could be on vacation in the Bahamas, still stressed out about what's going back on at home. And no matter how much you lie to yourself and say, well, man, if I go take a nap, all the stress will go away. It doesn't. You wake up and the problem's still there. And so I want to talk to you about a passage um, this morning, probably one of the most well-known passages on rest in all of Scripture. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 11, and uh, Jesus says this in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to talk to you this morning on the title of Finding Rest for My Soul. Finding Rest for My Soul. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we just song that you are at the center of everything. And those aren't just words we're saying, we believe that in our hearts. Well, God, some of us, our lives feel like it's going 100 miles an hour. And there's some of us in the room, we need rest. Some of us need physical rest. We haven't gotten sleep in a long time. Some of us us are very drained and burdened by the circumstances of life right now. But, God, I pray you would teach us, Lord, that we are to find our rest in you, that there's nothing that this world can offer us that can satisfy us the way that you can. And so we sing that you are at the center. We mean it from the depths of our souls. But would you teach us what that means today? Help us and guard our minds right now, Lord. There's, tem- there's a temptation right now for us to even begin thinking about what we're going to do after the service. What we're going to do this afternoon and what's going to happen Monday when we get back to work tomorrow. And uh, did, I, did I leave the AC running? I'm going to get back home and it's going to be hot. Our minds just run so much. God, would you just, would you quiet our hearts in this moment? And would you open us, open our eyes to the truth of your words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Augustine, a a famous fourth century theologian, has a famous quote that he says that's been known throughout history. It says this, you have made uh, us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. And often, I love what was said earlier in the prayer, so often we put our heart in everything else. We look for rest and we look for comfort and everything else. But Jesus in this passage here, he's been traveling for a while, and um, there's a lot of people who have been following him, many who are tired and weary. I love, the thing I love about God's Word is even though they lived in a different generation where they didn't have technology the way we did, and they don't have all these cars and stuff, they still had the human heart and the human condition that's still burdened. They lived in life. They still had bills to pay, kids to take care of, Funerals to go to, weddings to go to, hospital visits, painful moments, hardships, divorce, marriage, wayward teens. They had all of that as well. And these people are just like you and I and they are following Jesus and they're tired, they're hungry, all these different things. And Jesus here begins talking to them about rest. And there's two points I have for you today and I really want us to dive into this passage. I want us to really unpack these things. And so there's two things that we can find about, uh, know about rest from Jesus in this passage. Here's the first thing. Jesus promises you rest. Let me say that again. Jesus promises you rest. Look with me in verse 28. He says here, come to me, all who labor, I'm reading from the ESV, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In fact, he says it twice. If you keep reading in verse 29, he says, take your yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and You will find what church rest for your souls, and so he says it in he says it twice in order to validate um, the trustworthiness of this. He's not just saying it over and over uh, to sound cute, he's saying it so you would get it because he knows that you struggle to believe it, and so he doesn't say it once, he says it twice. Now, either Jesus is lying or he's telling the truth. And the thing I love about God's word that should be vital for all of us here is I love when God makes a promise. He's not like your cousin. He's not like your uncle. He's not like the person at Verizon or or, or T-Mobile or Sprint or whatever. All right? When Jesus says something, it's gold, it's good, it's not changing. And so we love the promises of God because when we're in our darkest hour, we run back to that. Lord, you said, when we get on our face and we pray, we say, Lord, you said you would never leave me or forsake me. Lord, you said this. Lord, you said that. Jesus says here, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. You should underline that. You should highlight that. You should mark that in your Bible right now because you will need it again in the next week. And this is a crucial promise here. So either Jesus is telling the truth or he's lying. I think he's telling the truth. And that's a good promise to know that uh, rest is available, and he promises it. But he gives two requirements for it. And I want you to see it here. He gives two requirements. So he makes a promise, I will give you rest. But Jesus, what's the two requirements? Here's the first one. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. The temptation we have is to run to everything else, as I talked before, run to sleep, <laughs> run to vacation, and I'm not saying these things aren't bad. But what you'll find is, as I said before, you can physically get rest, which we all need, and be physically recharged and stressed out the whole time. You can go on vacation for a week, and the moment you see the skyline, the stress and the overwhelming burden starts coming back. The moment you see the arch, and you're like, we're back in St. Louis. I got to go back to work on Monday. And the stress is back. I got to go back and talk to my dad. I got to go back. And so Jesus says here, he, he says, I'm promising you rest, but there's a requirement. You have to come to me for it. And all throughout Scripture, God has always been telling his children and his people to come to him for everything. I love in Isaiah 55:3. 3, it says here, incline your ear and come to me. That your soul may live. Incline your ear. Listen to me, please. Listen to me. It's like when I was telling my son this morning, please put your shoe on. Listen to me. Listen to daddy. Listen. Listen. Focus. Listen. Listen to me. Incline your ear. Come to me. Why? That your soul may live. And you think you can use everything else to fill you up, and you think that everything else can satisfy you, but come to me. I love and John chapter 6, one of the well-known passages where Jesus is talking, it says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever, what church? Comes to me, shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's talking about your soul. Are you hungry inside? Are you thirsty inside? Are you trying to satisfy yourself with everything else? Come to me and you will never be hungry and thirst again. Ever since the beginning in the Garden of Eden, When Adam and Eve bit the fruit, God has been calling his people back to himself. Come back to me. Come to me. Come to me. The problem is we're very good runners. You remember what Adam and Eve did when they were in the garden, right? What did they do? They hid. They didn't run to God. They ran from God. And when life hit, when burdens hit, when problems hit, the temptation you feel is to not pray right now, to not read the word right now, to not go to church. And I'm 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 sure there might be someone in here that probably was like, I really didn't want to go to church today, but I came. And I wish we could say with integrity that we felt like going to church every Sunday. But there's some Sundays we just say, man, I can't do it today, Lord. I just need to sleep in. And that's just raw and honest. It's not like God doesn't know. And we get hit with life. And Jesus says, come to me. So we don't run from God. We're supposed to run to him. What better words can you hear today, this Sunday morning, than the voice of Jesus with great tenderness saying to you, come to me. That's the best thing I could hear today, is my Savior, who we all just sung to, who is real as you are sitting here, who sees every heart, every mind, every burden, every problem in this room and knows your heart a thousand times better than you know and what's better than the one who created you, who formed the words, of the worlds through his words, And his fingerprint is all across this universe. The God who we are accountable to says to you, come to me. That is mind-blowing. Miles should be on the floor that God would say that to us. So Jesus says, I am promising you rest. I will give you rest. The first requirement that I have for you is that you come to me for it. Not your neighbor, not your cousin, not your paycheck, not how much weight you gain or lose but look to me for rest, be satisfied in me. So that's the first requirement he gives, but he gives a second requirement here that I love. It says in verse 28, look with me, come to me, that's the first, come to me, here it is, all who labor and are heavy laden. Some translations say all who are tired and burdened. That word labor there literally means tired and weary to the point of exhaustion. Is that anybody in this room? You are tired and weary to the point of exhaustion. I'm exhausted. Can you, you want to hang out today? No, I don't want to hang out. I don't need anything to do. I'm exhausted. Hey, can I call you later on tonight? No, you cannot. I'm going to bed early. I'm putting these kids down. I'm going to sleep, turning my phone off. Don't want to talk to anybody. Why? I'm exhausted. And it's not simply because it's hot outside. I'm exhausted. My life is crazy right now. You ever felt that way? Jesus says here, come to me, all who are tired. That word labor means tired and weary to the point of exhaustion. And it says heavy laden. Some translations say burden. It does mean burden. It's the idea of carrying an extremely heavy load. So we could translate it like this. Come to me, all of you who are tired and weary to the point of exhaustion, and you feel burdened like you're carrying a heavy load. That's his requirement for uh, for having rest. And I love this so much because he says, all, all who are tired, all who are heavy laden, come to me, all who labor. That word all is huge right there. That means no one in this room is excluded from that. If you sit here and you're like, well, do you know what kind of problems I got on my plate? You know how often I've been in a hospital? You know how much these bills are killing me? Do you know what I'm going through with my teenager? Do you know how difficult it is to deal with my parents? Do you know how my brother's in rehab and it's the 20th time and he just stole from my sister again? Do you understand the burdens we have? You don't understand my boss. He's just like Pharaoh. It's crazy to go to work. I don't find joy in going to work on Monday. I don't want to be there. They don't pay well. I'm overworked, underpaid, and I come home to a house where people complain all day and my life is miserable. Have you ever felt that way? And Jesus says, candidate A, exhibit A for the person who I will give rest to if they come to me. This is for all people. And Jesus doesn't place guidelines on what kind of burden is acceptable. He doesn't say, come to me if you have this kind of burden and not that kind of burden. He says, come to me if you are tired and you have burdens, period. And I love this. Now, this is difficult for us to understand because we don't operate that way. Oftentimes, it's hard for us to understand because we measure and we categorize the pain of other people. So when when Jesus says, come to me with any burden you have, we can't relate to that because sometimes we feel like, well, Is this this a good enough thing to bring to him? And we look at other people and we see their burdens and we categorize them and we minimize them. And so we look at someone else and we see what they're going through and what they're complaining about. And we're like, that is so petty. You don't even have kids and you're tired. This is what we think through. Um, Oh, you complain about your job. Do you know how long I've been looking for a job? So your boss gets on your nerves. At least you got a job. We're so good at minimizing other people's pain. The worst thing you could do as a Christian is someone share their pain with you and you minimize it. Oh, that's so petty. You should get over that. At least you feel that way. That's how you come across. Or we look at the time. They're still dealing with that mess. He's still struggling with that sin. They're still she's still battling this. He's still battling that. They're still going through that season. Jesus Jesus doesn't do any of that. He doesn't say that's too petty to bring to me. He doesn't say, that's been going on for too long. You know how long your marriage has been like that? He says, come to me, all, everyone, and if you feel tired and burdened, I don't care what it is, come to me. That is a loving thing to hear this morning. A loving thing. I'm trying to learn that with my my son right now. You know, I'm just, I could be alpha male at times, and you get to cut him, it's like, hey, just lick that, and just keep on moving, son. No, 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 no. Now, it doesn't matter. Daddy will kiss your boo-boo. Just come on in. I don't want him to grow up feeling like he can't come to me because anything he brings to me has to fit a certain category for me to show him love and affection. Jesus is the same way. You may go talk to your friend and say, well, you know, I don't feel like calling her again because I've been calling her, burning her out about this issue going to my family, and I've been venting to her for about the last two years now, and so I'm not going to call this person. I'm going to isolate myself because I don't feel like they're going to want to hear it anymore. Jesus is not like that. That's the beautiful thing about this passage. So you could bring it to him. How loving is Jesus? How tender is he? How long-suffering? And he desires to listen to all that you have to say, and he's, where, he's willing to bear it upon himself. So bring it to him. I love 1 Peter chapter 5 that says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why, church? Because he cares for you. All your anxieties, not some anxieties, all of it. Every crack and crevice, bring it to me. That's the God we serve. Every burden laid at his feet, we just were asked to lay, right? Anything you got, anything you hold on to, anything you put your heart in, anything got you overwhelmed this morning, you could lay it at his feet and so I love the fact that Jesus promises rest and it's crucial for you to get this because we need physical bodily rest some of us need to get some sleep for sure there's different aspects we need to learn how to rest our minds we need to take vacation and get away for a little bit but the reason why you need Jesus to give you rest is because you could do everything under the sun And those things cannot stop the anxiety on your heart. And we lie to ourselves. We think, if I just make a little bit more money, all my anxiety and troubles will go away. If I just had better health, you just substitute one problem for the next. You get the money, and then your health is difficult. You get money and health, and then your son or daughter is struggling with something. There's always something in this world that is broken and cursed by sin. And we think if I just get this, if I just get there, if the church just grows, if the ministry just happens there, if it's warmer today in Chicago, I was looking at Twitter and Instagram. Everybody that was like dying about how cold it was two months ago is like complaining. And I remember everybody was like, "Man, I'm never going to complain about the heat again." Why is it still? It's about to be summertime, and it's still like on um, 40 degrees. Why is it? So, you know? And now it's heat, and it's like everybody's still complaining, because you're never satisfied. That's why Augustine said, Our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. You get the new iPhone, it's great, and four years from now it's old and you want something new. You finally wanted a job, God gave it to you. Two months in, it's not good enough. You finally got the pay raise, you thought everything was good. Two months later, it's not good enough. We're always running around, and Jesus says, I'm the only one that can cure the anxiety that's on your heart. You could take as many vacations as you want, God bless you. You could sleep in, you could do everything but you'll wake up and your heart can still be heavy. And the only person that can remove that burden is Jesus himself. Not another glass of wine, not Netflix and chill. Jesus himself. So the door is wide open to every man and woman in this room. If you desire rest for your soul, Jesus says, come to him with your burdens and he will give you rest. I love that he promises you rest. But here's the second point. Not only does Jesus promise you rest, Jot this down. Jesus provides the way to rest, all right? He provides the way to rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, so Jesus tells us what to do, all right? Come to me, all right? Come to me, and if you have your the, the, the requirement for, for you to... Um, Get rest from me is that you have to come to me. And then second, you have to be tired, exhausted, and at the end of yourself. And if you fit that bucket, I don't care what your skin color is, where you're from, if you're willing to come to me, I will give you rest. Now there's a response from us. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, there's two responses to this that Jesus says that we need to do. Here's the first thing. Response number one, we rest by submission. We rest by submission. What do I mean by that? Look with me in verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What is a yoke? I know you may not use that every day. I surely don't have a yoke at my house. And so what a yoke is, a yoke is a wood that is tailor-made to fit around the neck of a pair of animals, particularly oxen so that they can drag a load together as efficiently as possible, or to plow a field. And so if you look at these two oxen, they have a yoke around their neck that keeps them together. And in this picture, and normally when you have two oxen, I remember this, my family is from Jamaica, and so my grandmother has a big farm down there, and I used to grow up seeing all this stuff all the time, and you would see the oxen in the field because we didn't have tractor trailers and all that stuff. You just got to work with the animals. And uh, you have a lead ox and the other ox follows. So you can't have two oxen going whichever way they want. There's one ox that's designated a lead and the other one has to submissively submit to the direction and the leading of that lead ox. And so one leads, the other follows, the lead ox sets the direction, sets the path, and they move towards together. Jesus says here, put down your yoke and take up my yoke. That's why he says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus says, take up my yoke. Let me lead and you follow me. Let me fight for you. Let me do the work. That's why he says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. (laughs) And too often we try to plow through the field of life, feeling the burden and the heat and the sun and the task that's before us and Jesus says, your yoke is too heavy. Why don't you come under my yoke and follow me? Let me lead and don't worry. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's harder to not follow Jesus than to follow Jesus. We get into so much pain and hardship from thinking we can figure it out ourselves. My son has yet to really prove that he can figure everything out without his dad. No matter what I tell him to do, no, you should do this. No, and he just tries to do something else. But that's how we're wired in our flesh. We, we want to do it ourselves. We think we can solve the problem ourselves. And so Jesus says, no, here, take up my yoke, take my yoke upon you. Well, this requires submission. Submission is the act of yielding to the power or the will of another person. And oftentimes when we hear the word submission, we see it as a burden. Man, I got to die to my flesh again. Man, I got to submit to God on this thing. Man, I got to do this. I got to do that. Submission is a blessing, not a burden. It is a a blessing, not a burden. Submission is essentially releasing. When that ox comes up under the yoke of another ox, you are submitting to that ox, but you are releasing. To take up Christ's yoke is a call to surrender and release. You rest by releasing. God, I'm not working super hard this anymore. I'm going to trust you by faith. I'm releasing this to you. I'm tired, I feel like I'm running on a treadmill trying to figure this out myself. I'm gonna trust you with it, I'm releasing you. You rest by releasing. I'm submitting, I'm tired of fighting, I'm tired of doing it my way, it's not working like this. I'm gonna release this to you and release everything to you and submit to you. Wherever you say go, I will go. Whatever you say do, I will do. Whatever you tell me to trust, whatever promise you have, I'm leaning into that. I'm going to rest by releasing. Why does John struggle to not answer the phone or his email when he's at the arch with his wife and kids and he's never been to the arch before? Because there's a struggle with resting and releasing. It takes faith to believe that if I don't answer this email or text message, God will keep everything from falling. Do I have the faith to believe if I don't respond to every text message when I'm on vacation or I'm deciding this Friday that I'm just not going to look at anything, I'm not going to touch my phone, I'm just going to rest myself, I'm going to unplug, do I have the faith to believe that the God who holds the world in his hand is good enough and sovereign enough to keep my world from collapsing if I don't respond to her email? And the temptation is to say... No, I don't believe that. Let me respond real quick. I don't like clutter, and I'm not trying to come back to the office on Monday with a lot of stuff, but Jesus says, it's better for you to come back on Monday well-rested and refreshed in me spiritually than to come back with an empty inbox and be a wreck. And I can keep everything in that inbox from falling. I know you have projects. I know you have deadlines. I know you're helping your sister with the wedding. I know you have a baby shower coming up, but you need to rest today. Will you submit and release that to me? That's what it means to walk in the yoke. And so Jesus is not teaching rest by working and doing more. He's teaching rest by following. Look there in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That word learn from me, that word right there is a a verb. It's the same root word from which we get the word disciple. So when you read a disciple in the New Testament, it comes from that verb right there, learner. Essentially, Jesus is saying, anyone who wants to rest, who wants rest for their souls, come and follow me. In his simple terms. So my week gets out of whack and I feel very exhausted. The question I need to ask myself right now is, am I following Jesus or am I following myself? Am I following my kids? Am I following my boss? Am I following my spouse? Am I following my plan? Or am I following Jesus? And some weeks, you just need to hit reset and re or Let me stop everything right now because I don't know in my heart if I'm really following Christ at this moment. Am I, I haven't even been in the Word all week, so clearly I'm not following him in this moment. Have you been here before? How did I get here? It's like a week and a half has gone past, and I really haven't prayed except for my food. And my schedule got crazy because things came up that were so unpredictable, and I haven't been in the Word like I would want to be. And so I'm depleted now. Friday's coming. I didn't realize this whole week I've been going in my own strength. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Anyone who wants rest for their souls, come and follow me. My grandmother is almost 90, and uh, she's, I think, 88 or 89. And uh, she, she, my wife's laughing because she knows. We have this funny saying. So um, even though I'm in Chicago on the west side, um, planted this church two years ago, Chicago West Bible Church. As Pastor Micah said, I was a family pastor at the Harvest Bible Chapel there for years and then went out into this um, uh, really uh, hard, rough um, area called Austin um, in Chicago. And, uh, but we're technically from Philly. And so my grandmother is there and my family's from Jamaica. And uh, my grandmother, as far as, as long as I can know her, but she's really been doing this a lot the last few years. She's almost 90, and when, if you're around her, I, I guarantee you within 60 seconds of you talking to her, she will say this. <laughs> my Heavenly Father's in control. She does that all the time. Now, the reason why we laugh is because she says it after everything. Like, you could be like, hey, Grandma, you want some more gravy on those biscuits? She'd be like, my Heavenly Father's in control. And like, it, it, like... You know, I was going to them like, Grandma, I'm running to target. Do you want anything? And she'll go, my Heavenly Father's in control. And it's the hilarious thing. Our family laughs because she says it 2,000 times a day after everything you say to her. And uh, you know, we used to laugh a lot about it. And then it occurred to me when I was working on this message. It occurred to me, you know what? When you're almost 90 years old, you've seen a lot of pain. You've seen a lot of hardship you've seen a lot of problems, you've been through a lot, you've carried a lot of burdens, and you know you're near the end of your life. And if when you're at the end of your life and you're pushing 90 years old and the only thing you can find to say out of your mouth is to laugh and say, my Heavenly Father's in control, well, God bless you. I pray I'm like that. I pray that I'm like that someday. That when, I, yeah, so when, when, I, when, 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 when all i found to be able to say When you've buried people, you've battled cancer, you've... The doctor said that my grandmother should have passed away 10 years ago. And even right now, they're saying she may not make it for two more years. And we haven't really told her that because, to be honest, I don't think she would care. And, um, but she's seen a lot. My grandfather was very abusive. My grandmother used to walk two, three miles by foot with a basket on her head to work every day. She had 11 kids, lived in a one-room shack in Jamaica. My grandfather was a a severe alcoholic, and he would abuse her all all the time, so much so that when he passed away and he died of cancer, of his 11 kids, only one showed up to his funeral or to see him in the hospital. He was that bad. My grandmother's seen a lot in her life. And at 90 years old, all she can say every five seconds when you talk to her is to laugh and say, my Heavenly Father's in control. Talk about childlike faith, right? That's what Jesus is trying to get all of us to get to that place where another burden falls on your lap, another email comes, another painful thing you got to hear, and you laugh and say, man, why Heavenly Father's in control. It's all good. It's hot outside. Ha, man, Why Heavenly Father's in control. I'm sweating like crazy. Man, Why Heavenly Father's in control. It's all good. And I've never seen my grandmother... Uh, freak out about anything. I've never seen her be overwhelmed. I've never seen her cry except for worship. She's very simple. She's probably one of the most generous women I've ever met in my life. She works hard with her hand, and she loves the Lord diligently. She walks around the house singing hymns. She reads the word all the time. I'm not saying she's perfect, right? But what I'm saying is you see a lot in your life. And the more years go by, the more you see God's faithfulness over time, over and over and over again, through the wayward kids, through the health scares, through this and that, through all these challenges, to you thought you were going to get evicted, to you living on the street, and you thought you were going to die. And this is surely the end in this problem right here. And you find God to be faithful on the mountaintops and in the valleys. And he brings you to a place where you're 90 years old, and you finally stop fighting. You stop trying to do it yourself, and you rest. And you say, You know what? my heavenly Father's in control. That's that's the words of someone who rests. And so Jesus shows us the way to rest. He makes a promise for it, and he shows us how to get there. He says we need to rest by submission, and submitting is taking his yoke upon us and learning for him. But then the last thing here, the last response he gives here is to rest in his character, and this is so crucial. So he he says, I'm going to give you rest. And then he says, this is the way that you get to rest. One is you submit to me, you take my yoke, you trust me, you release everything to me. And then the second thing is you rest in my character and who I am. I love this here because now look in verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here it is. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your soul some translations say gentle and humble in heart i love this right here why does jesus feel the need to describe himself he didn't have to describe himself he told you what to do he says all you who um, come to me all you who are tired and weary and burdened and i will give you rest take up my yoke and he could have just said and my burden is easy my yoke is easy my burden is light he could have just left it as that you would have got the picture why does he feel the need to describe his character Why does he feel the need to say, I am lowly in heart, I am humble, I am gentle? Why does Jesus feel the need to tell you, Harvest, that he is gentle and he is humble? Here's why. Let me tell you something truthful about you. You don't trust everybody with the depths of your heart. That's just the truth. You don't take your heart and put it in anybody's hands. That's one of the reasons why Christians struggle to be vulnerable and transparent. If I put my heart on the table, I need to know you won't kick it across the room. If I be transparent about what I'm dealing with, what I'm struggling with, I need to know that this is a safe place. We we struggle to let Jesus into that intimate area or anybody because you've been hurt, because you don't want to get hurt, because you find it hard to trust, because you have pain. And if we can admit it, burdens are painful and our hearts are tender. And so it's hard to place your heart, your soul, your pain in someone else's hands unless you know that they are gentle and humble at heart. It's going to be a struggle for me to let you in here unless I know for sure that you are gentle with this and humble in heart. May that be a lesson for all of us when we see our brothers and sisters going through challenges and hardship and we see their pain raw and uncut rather than jumping with the baseball bat and saying, you need to, you need to, with much gentleness and tenderness come towards that. And so Jesus feels the need to say here, I am gentle and humble in heart. And maybe the last person you dealt with wasn't that way. Maybe my grandfather wasn't gentle and humble in heart towards my grandmother. But what my grandmother knows right now is that her savior is gentle and humble in heart. And maybe the person, the situation you ran to didn't treat you right. Maybe you came to a person and you were honest and they saw your mess and you got stoned half to death. Jesus says, I'm not that way, come to me. I love this here. I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so when you are weary, because we know that this is true, do you believe this, church? Do you believe this? Thank you to the 10 of you that said yes. All right. No, seriously, I mean, you got to ask yourself, are we, are we believing this or are we wasting time? Because if you don't believe this, then you might be able to check the box and feel good that you went to church on Sunday, but what good is it if you don't believe it? So you got to believe it, because you know what? Satan will test if you believe this this week. And the reality is when the trial comes and the burden comes, If you believe this passage will tell where you run to. If you really believe that Jesus is gentle and humble in heart and that you really can come to him with your burdens, no matter how weary you are, then you will go. And if you don't believe it in that moment, you won't. So regardless of what you say to Pastor John, Pastor Mike, or anyone in this room, your actions will show if you believe this or not. And Jesus wants you to know this morning, this is true. As much as the sun is shining outside and it's hot outside, This is true, and if this is true, that means you have to fight everything in your heart and in your mind. You have to fight everything that says in you, don't go to God right now. And when you wake up in the morning, you say, I don't feel like doing devotions. I don't feel like singing. And you come to church, and everyone's like this, and you're just like, I just don't feel it. I'm not there right now. I know I need to be here, but my heart's just like out of whack. You have to fight everything in you to say, but I'm going to sing. And I'm going to praise him. And I'm going to read his word. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. You bring your heart, you bring your burden to God, and you fall down on your knees with your Bible open, and you say with the psalmist in Psalm 57, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me every burden I have. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. You got to say that sometimes. You got to get on your face and cry that out and pray that sometimes. And sometimes when you're at your cubicle, when you're in the house and everything is going crazy, Pastor Mike is not there to preach a sermon, you don't have your favorite podcast available, and sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. You got to say with Psalmist in Psalm 62, oh, for God alone, oh, my soul, wait in silence. You see that word, oh, my soul, right there? Talking to yourself. For God alone, John Kelly, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. My heavenly father is in control. So, Jesus says to you this morning, Harvest, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is gentle and lowly of heart. He is tender and kind. He is meek and loving. He will not reject you or your burden, and you will find rest for your soul. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Let's pray this passage. I want to pray this passage. Would you bow your heads? Jesus, you said here in your word, come to me. God, forgive us for when we run to everybody else to find rest for our hearts. We run to our jobs, our careers, and we say, well, if I just make more money, if I just have this, if I just... God... Would you free everyone in this room right now to know that they can come to you and only you can truly take away the burden that is on their heart? Lord, you said here in your word, all who are tired and exhausted, labor and are heavy laden. God, I pray the person here this morning who is overwhelmed, and they may smile this morning, they may look good, and you say, how are you doing? They say, praise the Lord, it's been a good week. But deep down inside, they're stressed out about some stuff. May they feel free this morning to come to you with their burdens. You said here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. God, may we we lay down our yoke. And may we pick up your yoke and let you lead. And may we embrace the fact that you are gentle. You are tender. You are humble in heart. And may we find rest for our souls because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. May this word sink into our hearts today, and may we live it out this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much, Harvest.